This is Thursday, January 30th, 2020, and it is live in the 9 a.m. hour of Jesse Lee Peterson's streams on YouTube, DLive, Face, not Facebook, Periscope, and Mixer.com slash JLP Talk. And um, I believe that we neglected to open the treasure chest on DLive, so DLive crew, get ready. I'm opening it now. So by the time you hear that, you should be have here seeing me click it, <laughs> or you should see it opening. Thank you, very nice. I have to make that happen because the D Live crew is very faithful and supportive and appreciate it. So support the D support Jason Lee Peterson on D Live, and remember to check out the 2009 Sunday service which was, uh, you know, the precursor to Church with Jesse Lee Peterson. It came out last night on Bond Rebuilding the Man YouTube channel. All right, guys, make sure you're subscribed to Bond Rebuilding the Man YouTube channel. It's excellent. And we have a parallel channel on lbry.tv. Follow all three of Jesse's channels and The Hague Report there. I have a guest with me that I'm honored to have. His name is Sagar... And Jetty, am I pronouncing your name right? Okay, right. cool. Thank you. Thank you for doing that. Nice. Host of the Hill TV show Rising with Crystal and Sagar. And that's Crystal Ball, who, by the way, I think she used to be with MSNBC or CNN, one of those majors. MSNBC. Okay. And she moderated, by the way, a Politicon debate with Jesse Lee Peterson on immigration. And Jesse was like the lone conservative. Amongst a bunch of ACLU, um, a former illegal who became like, I don't know, all kinds of people. It's very interesting. 2017, right, check it right. out. <laughs> you can find information on their show and an upcoming book that they're coming out with on rising.substack.com. Sagar and Jetty is co-author, along with Crystal Ball, nice lady, of the upcoming book, The Populist's Guide to 2020. Um, a new right and new left are rising, and that's out February 8th. About a week from now? It's out on Ryan Grimm's Strong Arm Press. Oh, he co-founded that, that publisher. By the way, speaking of Ryan Grimm, um, just a little side note, check out Jesse Lee Peterson's interview with The Young Turks' Ryan Grimm, also on Library, which took place last April. <laughs> he got the chicken song. But it was interesting. So, Sagar, you're a, a, a media fellow at the Hudson Institute, mm -hmm. where you also co-host the Realignment podcast. That's right. And you're also a fellow at Steamboat Institute, and that is... what. Explain to us what those mean to be a fellow at those institutes. Well, these are just... Uh, a media fellowship at Hudson, all it is is I, that's where I co-host my podcast. So my podcast is, like, much more policy-focused. What I do on Rising... What we talk about in the book, that's a lot of day-to-day -day stuff, right? Polls, who's up, 
who's down. It's a pol- it's a policy news analysis show. The uh, what I do on my podcast is I'm really ex- interested, and this is what I talk about in my book, is about the future of the GOP and the new right. What is populism? on the right? What does it look like from a policy level? So I talk to experts on tech, on foreign policy, China, economics. I like to question free market orthodoxy. So that's what I do over there. And then Steamboat, actually, they were just kind enough uh, to, to bring me out to Steamboat, Colorado. They have an annual conference uh, to talk about some of the ideas that I'm really passionate about. So that's what I do. So you mentioned the new right and you mentioned populism. What is the new right so the new right, I think, really is a movement that's come out of Trump's Donald Trump's election in 2016. Trump was kind of a force of personality, and he, he really stumbled into the White House through a form of just sheer instinct on trade and on immigration. So the new right is about questioning free market orthodoxy. It's about asking, you know, should we prioritize GDP and economic growth at all costs? Is all, is all as much unlimited, low-skilled immigration a good thing for the United States? Or can we have controls over American borders? It's, it's, it's much more about the right for a long time has fetishized GDP and free market growth over the actual day-to-day standard of living for the average American citizen. So what I care about, um, what I, I think Tucker Carlson said this the best, was that the person who deserves to win the 2020 election is the person who's going to make it easier for a 30-year-old to get married and have kids. That's it. I really think that's what it comes down to. It's not about economic growth. It's not about unemployment rate. I mean, look right now, we have the lowest unemployment rate in decades. What is it? Deaths of despair are higher than ever. Opioids, you know, uh, suicide. And there's a sickness and illness in this country that has nothing to do with the price of electronics. It has to do with the really character of who we are. And unlike libertarians, I think that the government can do something about that and has a moral obligation to do something about that. And then what is populism? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, populism is at its at its basis. What is it? It is a revolt against the establishment. There's left wing populism. There's right wing populism. I think left wing populism probably is best, uh, you know, probably best exemplified in the Bernie Sanders movement. A lot of the same economic critiques, a lot of the same anti-establishment critiques. Where we differ is on the solutions. So we both agree that Wall Street or whatever is bad. Bernie says that we should nationalize the banks, or even, even in the way that nationalizing the banks, the way that we restructure a bank would make it so that employees have all market power. And now I'm not as concerned. So the, the difference would be democratic socialist left-wing populists. They think worker power is an end in and of itself, right? Like, that's it. That's all they want to maximize. Right. So I've debated some of the uh, leading socialists in this country, and that's really what it comes down to. For me, it's about national power, which is I want all the institutions of the United States working towards its domestic and international interests. I think its domestic interest is the strength of the American family. I think its international interest is preserving our ability to project power across the globe. And that's why I believe very much in taking a much stronger position towards China. Because right now, I think that you know these big institutions like banks have sold out their American citizens in favor of cheaper profits in China, which de facto benefits the Chinese government. Um, when I think of the new right, I think mm-hmm. of Mike Cernovich. Seems like a good guy. <laughs> Are you similar in your approach to Mike Cernovich in any way? 
I mean, Mike, he brings up some of these structural critiques. I, I, I don't really know him that well. I've only met him once, I think, at a CPAC thing. What it is, when, it, when you think about New Right, part of the issue is that there's no real bellwether on these things. You're right. Mike is a figure. There's other figures. Tucker Carlson, I think, is probably the best, most recognizable figure yeah. uh, whenever it comes to these things. I, I align myself very much with Tucker. I think that he and I have a very, very similar outlook on the world. Okay, cool. Um, Wikipedia's uh, definition of new right, they call it the third new right, is kind of a mixed bag. It has Glenn Beck, and it has Trump, and it has Cernovich, yeah, and it has... It's incoherent, right? Yeah. There's no real definition. That's part of why I wrote the book, which is, what is a new right? I'm trying to figure it out every single day in, in my day-to-day -day politics. What does it mean, right? It doesn't mean that we're for total market intervention, but it doesn't right. mean that we're anti-market intervention either. Did you vote for Trump in 2016? Did you vote for President Trump in 2016? You know, I did not vote in 2016. How, how old are you? Out of curiosity. 27. I'm 27. I, did, okay. I consciously decided not to vote. Wow. Who yeah. who did you, was there anybody that you liked that didn't get through? No, I didn't vote in 2012 either uh, because I didn't like Barack Obama and I didn't like Mitt Romney. Well, good I for you. Uh, yeah, I didn't. I didn't vote in 2016. So there you go. Wow. So you were not sold on Trump in 2016. No, How about 2020? Uh, in 2020? Yeah, I'll probably vote for Trump. You mean probably? Wow. Mm. That's interesting. I, mean, I hope I want him to live up to whatever he said he would do. Yeah. yeah. Um, was it clear to you that Trump was going to win in 2016? No, not at all. I did think it was close. I thought it was going to be 273, 260, whatever. Um, so a lot of people in Washington thought it was going to be, I don't know, they probably, I think they thought it would be, yeah, around like the 300 level mark. But uh, I, I thought it was going to be much closer than it yeah. actually was. Yeah. And uh, so, I mean, I did think Hillary would win. Let's, look, I'm not a political prognosticator. Yeah. Uh, my views have evolved significantly in the last couple of years. Trump's election had a lot more to do with it than Trump's campaign because yeah. he was a great validator of a lot of these things. But no, I did not think Trump was going to win. I had no idea. So did you used to be more liberal? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I definitely was. When I was growing up in particular, I wasn't didn't really have a lot of ideological coherence. Right. Trump's election, the reason it shocked me was because you come to D.C., you're on the right. There's a lot of preconceived things that you buy into, right? You're like, this is what I'm supposed to believe. So you just believe it. You're like, hey, like this is what the people who say, who know things tell you to say. So you read the right people, the right magazines, et cetera. And they're all like, oh, Trump is terrible. Bob, this is never going to work. He's going to lose. And then he won. And I was like, well, wait a second. A lot of these people I listen to, they have no clue what they're talking about. Right. And so I was like, you know, maybe they don't know everything. Maybe I should think for myself. And that's really what it was. So I credited it very much to Trump's election. I do. One technical issue going on right now. Make yes, sure your um, uh, this cord, Mike. it yes. rubs up against, it's, it's fine. Not it just thing. rubs up against your thing and it's causing yes. So, no um... I don't watch the numbers, and I don't even know what those numbers mean. I mean, I kind of do because, you know, the Electoral College and stuff. So yeah. I didn't, I don't know any of the technical stuff, but I just knew, and I was making bets and things. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was trying to, anyways, um, that Trump was going to win in um, 2016 because for the first time we had somebody that, on the right, who was not backing down from what he knew was right. He would make these statements right. that would make the left and even right, I call them rhinos, freak out, mm -hmm. Republicans name only, make yes, them freak out, but he would not back down from it. 
And that was so refreshing. I knew that if we could get somebody to do that, that would be a winner. And on top of that, when I saw him the first time on the Republican debate stage with those 16 others, or however many, I think it was 17 total, Mm-hmm. He just stood out as a just a normal person, whereas everybody else, including guys that I was a fan of, including like um, Ted Cruz, just seemed like these phony politicians who just had to be acting on a stage. But he was just real, and he was he just stood like a man among boys. Yeah, I understand that. You know, yeah. I, I get the appeal, and you know, I I credit my initial not understanding of it of being here. I yeah. bought into the wrong thing. I really do. I mean. Washington is a bubble, man. You live here long enough. I can believe that. You, Definitely. You know, you wrote the right people um, and all of that. It's just like, it's important to understand. I want everybody to know that people here don't really know what's going on. Yeah. Um, and I'm kind of one of the first to admit that I was a totally wrong. I didn't know what the hell I was talking about in 2016. And I listened to all the wrong people. And now I'm just trying to figure it out. And I think that maybe that's one of the reasons the book is doing well or the show is doing well is because we're out there just calling it like we see it and just calling into calling into account um, a lot of the same people who got 2016 wrong. They didn't learn anything from 2016. And that's what really bothers me, which is me and a lot of my cohort. We started rethinking everything and they haven't right rethought anything. And that really yeah. bothers me. Yeah. So um, I want to talk a little bit about your new book and the moral crisis you brought up with mm-hmm. the lack of babies, the suicides, right. the, just the degeneracy that's growing. But first, I, ha- I have a caller that I think is interesting. It's actually mm-hmm. my personal favorite caller on my show that, I w- that you may like responding to. And sure. I'm interested in her question, okay. too. Mays out of Dayton, Ohio. Mays, thanks for calling. How are you? I'm just fine. James and your guest. Sager, yeah. I have, I, I, who? Sager is the name of Sager. his first name. Okay. But he's writing the book or is he running for something? He wrote the book. Wrote he book. co-wrote wrote a, book. a book. Not running okay. for anything. <laughs> so you said that you were, a re- you were a Democrat at one time and you were a what? Republican at one time. So what's the difference in you being, because I think you're both of the same thing, cut out the same cloth. <laughs> What did you say? Because if you're a Democrat or a Republican, a Libertarian, or whatever, you still got the same heart that you had whenever whatever one you chose to be. She said there's no difference between the Republicans and Democrats. So that, mm-hmm. I don't think he said that he was a Democrat and or a Republican. I think he said he was he more said liberal, liberal now conservative. more conservative and all that. Uh-huh. Well, that's what I'm saying. But he said, what's the difference in the two? What's the difference in the two? She says between. they're all cut out of the same cloth. I think she's right, and that's what I spend all the time on my show talking about. Well, well, A, on a human level, she's absolutely right. But on a policy level, one of the things that I talk about in my book with my co-host, Crystal Ball, who's on the left, is that centrism, Democrats and Republicans, they don't disagree on much. They agree that banks should work for the benefits of the elite. They agree that trade policy should generally work to ship American jobs overseas and that prices should be cheaper. They, the key thing to know is that Democrats and Republicans are actually united in screwing over the American working class over the last 35 years. And that's been the greatest saw, revelation of that Trump. That was before 35 years. That's always been that way. Not 35 <laughs> right. years. Well, 35 uh, years. in particular, the last James. 35 years, ma'am. <laughs> yeah, could you tell that to James and all the ones that think that uh, I'm a Republican, I'm a conservative, and you're not a Christian because you're not this? Y'all are the same people, and then you're talking about having babies. 
I mean, what's the problem with that? What does she mean? Because your birth rate with is having, low. I don't know. Oh, yeah. oh because our birth, oh, okay. the white birth rate is, ex- is really low. Having, having low birth <laughs> rates is actually a very big problem because very look, your population, the health of your population, growth, all. Let's say we even accept the the premise that gro- economic growth is tied uh, to prosperity. In, in, a, in some ways, that is true. You can't do that if you don't have a population. We're talking about consumer goods, durables, everything. I mean, it's about a healthy society. That's what's ingrained within us as people from before time, before the creation of civilization. And so to me, the healthiest civilization is one that's able to replace itself. It's the most base level need uh, of a people. And so the fact that it's going down, yeah, go ahead. If it's not not replacing itself, whose fault is it? Is it other people's fault or the people that's not replacing themselves? Problem. Well, I would say that it's about, it's about both, right? It's not just the people themselves. Well, because I'm not going to put blame on people. If, you, if you're not having a kid because health care is too expensive or because you lost your job and you can't afford it, how, how dare I blame you? But at the same, and that, that's the same thing is that we also, look, we need to make it so that everybody who wants to have a family and take care of that family in this country, 100%, no questions asked, should be able to. I don't think that that's a crazy thing. should be able to. And anybody yeah. who wants to own a business, have their own business to, to 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 take care of their families or their communities the way they want to mm-hmm. do it without having some per- people step in and tell them how they should do stuff and what they can do and what can't do. Are we up at the top so we can have a have a like a uh, the drug the uh, the thing that they have going on now where they're making all the cookies and candy? But you got to go mm-hmm. through all this redlining so in order for your community to do the same thing other communities are doing, you got to go through redlining and all this stuff. But the other one don't have to go through anything. Just because right. we're Democrats and Republicans. Yeah, I know. I agree. And so if you don't know again, how to share, the problem is if you don't know how to share, you will always want to have everything to yourself and control everything. Mm-hmm. But if you're sharing things, you got to equal. You're equal. You know, you know what equal sure. is? All right, Maze. Appreciate it. Doing none of Thank that. You, we're having a conversation, so uh, no, uh, that's why I call <laughs> You don't like it. Yeah, you I'm, you're share. losing me. People that have to but share, I appreciate it, Maze. don't like sharing. Yeah, I'll let him respond to you, but okay, I'm well, going to let I you go. Thing, see, but they share with other countries, but they won't share with the people within the country that they live in. Okay. What's wrong with that problem? There's a problem there. You want to go over to some other country and share, give them things, but the people in the country where you live are doing the same thing you're doing, you don't even want them to have anything. You got to right. have a problem with it. I'll come up with laws with it. Thank so you, Mace. Have a good day. You too. Thank you. All right. Any response to that? I didn't get the entire gist of the question, but yeah. I think... Uh, what it was is about sharing. And I agree with you. We need a national ethos in which we're all actually in this together. That's why I'm, you know, I call myself a nationalist very proudly. And I, and I reject the idea that that is racist in any way. I'm a first generation immigrant myself. I call myself a nationalist because I believe in the ideals of America. I want to share that across an entire multiracial crosscut that we have here in the United States. I'm very proud of that, and it's something I celebrate. Are you concerned about the declining population that is the white population? What, what do you mean by that? Because whites are declining as a population, at least mm-hmm. according to reports. They're not making enough babies to replace themselves. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, they have all these problems. Like, they're, they're suffering the most uh, with the opioid epidemic, which, as Mays kind of indicates, is, yeah. it is their own fault for mm-hmm. doing, taking that stuff. But it's still, like, um, the suicide rate among, I think, white males is, is one of the highest. Right. Um, just in general, it's a white, the whites are, like, on the decline in this country. And they are becoming a minority in this country. 
Are you concerned about What I am concerned about is that the working class of this country, not just white people, but white people who are disproportionately in that, what you're talking about there, a lot of these people who are suffering are white. I totally reject the political correctness and the balkanization of American races in order to play people against each other. We live and have a class problem in this country. It affects white people, black people, Latino people. And if they're suffering on opioids or, or you know, su- committing suicide, I'm with them 100%. That's what concerns me. It has nothing to do with race. It has racial implications in terms of who it affects. But in terms of our motivation, it has nothing to do with race. And it's very pernicious by some people to tar anybody who cares about the opioid crisis as somebody who just cares about it with white people. You know, I mean, I stand with the black mother. I think J.D. Vance once said about this. He was on a train once. There was a single black mother who was sitting there with two kids. One of the kids was crying, and everybody was just shooting him nasty looks. And he was like, what this country should be about is helping that woman, right? I mean, helping that woman with her kids, is it should be about a shared collective understanding that that's what's the best of us. And so that's why I stand with Do you agree that this focus by the left and some of the rhinos, actually it seems like many of the rhinos, on racism is part of that balkanization, that turning on whites, that um, just attacking people basically for being right, including Tucker Carlson and President Trump and everything? Right. Yeah. I mean, that's the most disgusting. This is what Tucker gets so right. The critical race theorists and their pairing with big finance. What is it all about? It's about keeping us all hating each other so that they can continue to rob us and send our jobs to China and buy Chinese bonds on the stock market and get rich so that they can live their cosmopolitan lives in New York City. That's what it's all about. That's what the entire agenda is about. They don't want to see real class conflict or real class politics in this country because it comes at the very expense of their bottom line. And as a person, you know, as like I said, I'm, you know, was born here to child of immigrants. I'm proud of my heritage. I'm proud to be an American. I'm an American through and through. I don't see color. I really don't. Um, did you see, did you remember when Congressman Steve King was censured by the Congress for defending Western civilization, and then he was, according to him, misquoted, and I I believe him. In the New York Times is him shrugging off white supremacy and white nationalism, which I think those are boogeymen. They're like people mm. are scaremongering about whites being so evil. And then he said, What's, why did I go to school learning about Western civilization and how great this country and other countries are just to be taught that Western civilization is a dog whistle for white mm. racism? I, I don't actually know the specifics of the Steve King thing. I know that there was some controversy around it. Look, I, I actually do think Steve has said some very problematic things to uh, over the years, and I don't think he's a very good representative of the new right. I'll, I'll put my cards out on the table. I do think he's used some racialized language uh, with that in the past. And as an immigration restrictionist myself, who wants to see less immigration in this country, I don't think about it in cultural terms. What I think about it is in terms of economic terms, which is it's about depressing American wages. Now, to your point on Western civilization, I agree with you. The left has made it so that the term Western civilization is supposedly synonymous synonymous with white supremacy. And that is ludicrous. And I say that as somebody who 
you know, lives in a Western civilization. And frankly, my ancestors were once oppressed by colonialism. So I think I have some uh, I have some moral authority whenever it comes to this. What are the good? There's good thing, bad things about every civilization. I, I think on balance, Western civilization is probably the best that we have. And what's wrong with that? There's nothing racist in saying about that. You know, family formation, individualism, freedom. There are certain ideals which are pan-racial and pan-ethnic. That's okay. You want to call it West? You want to call it for pro-family? I don't care. What's What's an example of something that King Steve King? Mm-hmm. From uh, I forget what he's. Oh, Iowa. Iowa, Iowa. Um, has said that's problematic. To well, you. I think he did. I mean, it, it, there was a report out uh, that was put out by the Weekly Standard about some talking about. I think he called it garbage or cockroaches, or he made a joke that I thought was racialized, and I, that you know I don't like that type of language. Uh, but my issue is people are so over concerned with what people say as opposed mm-hmm. to what they do, how they treat other people, what they're really about. I don't. I don't know much about King, but I know that he's generally like... I'm not saying the guy's a racist. I'm saying he said some problematic things. I give people the benefit of the doubt, okay? Like, listen, I, I would sit down with Steve King and I'd ask him. I'd interview him about this. No yeah. question. My thing with this problematic word is mm. that is a DC kind of a word. That You know okay. what I mean? Sure. That's that bubble yeah. thing where the... That's that's what the Democrats and they're sucking the rhinos and more and more um, they're trying to suck more and more conservatives into this mm. over concern about what people say as opposed to what they really are, what they mean, because <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what he said about the cockroaches thing, um, but I just I just don't buy any of that type of Scaremongering you are right to be skeptical of yeah. when people try and tag somebody racist. And once again, I'm not saying he's racist. Yeah. I said I've seen reports about things that he said that I don't agree with. I don't want to associate myself with him for that reason because I think he has bad judgment as well. Here's the other thing: when you're on the right, when you're on the right, you have to understand they're gunning for you. There are everything listening to the, everything I say over here. There's yeah. gonna be some antifa loser who goes <laughs> through know. this and tries to parse through and cancel me. And look. Like, it is on me to choose my words carefully. I don't like living in a politically correct society. Right. And I test it whenever I can. And in some cases, I don't. Okay? That's why I really like Trump and um, others in that, I mean, he already established himself. So he was impervious because you couldn't hurt him financially. I mean, even if you hurt him financially, he was still okay. But he just speaks his mind anyways. It's like the old school American way where you just plow on through. If you look at those people on the left who are, I consider really disgusting people, Al Sharpton and some of these, some of these Black Lives Matter radicals who have, well, I don't know, they've kind of fallen by the wayside thanks to Trump not giving them play. But Al Sharpton has stayed on top and Maxine Waters, another, in, in my opinion, totally disgusting person, but she's stayed on top and a lot of these liberals have, Pelosi by being shameless. And I think that that's a value, that shamelessness or confidence is a real value. Politically, you're correct. But here's the thing, there's a new book out by Michael Lind. I encourage all of your viewers to go watch it. It's called New Class War. Uh And then what he talks about is we need to have a class settlement. At the end of the day, listen, the left, they drive me crazy. They're trying to cancel me. They'd love to destroy me. But you know what? We gotta live in the same country, man. And at the end of the day, what I want is a class settlement along class lines in order to quash some of this racial hatred, this class hatred, and bring everything down. And that's really what animates my politics.
your book, your new book, um, was plugged by Andrew Yang, Tucker yep. Carlson, Tulsi Gabbard, Nina Turner, she's the black um, campaign co-chair of the Bernie uh, campaign, Kyle mm-hmm. Kalinske of Secular yep. Talk, mostly a bunch of liberals, but you also have um, Tucker. Tucker in there, that's nice. And you used to work for the Daily Caller, I don't know if Tucker was involved anymore at, at that point. Uh, he hired me, actually. Oh, nice, yeah. yeah. So, um, I just noticed that it's mostly, like, liberals, though. I mean, those are more of the, like, they get a little bit of respect from from the right because they are more independent-minded as far as those guys go. Kyle Kalinske, Yang, um, Tulsi. And Tulsi. Yeah. Um, what do you say? <laughs> I mean, you can say whatever you want. I'm an anti-establishment guy. I actually don't discriminate. I like Andrew Yang. I like Tulsi Gabbard. Do I agree with him on everything? No. I call him out all the time. I fight with Yang people about marijuana all day on the internet. Uh, and Tulsi Gabbard people about, yeah, I'm totally against the Iraq and Afghanistan, war, you know, endless wars. Yeah. So I align myself with anybody. Tucker's on there. He most accurately represents my views. Bernie's on there. Act most accurately represents Crystal's views. I think Kyle, we share a lot of common ground in our criticism of the financial financial system. So look, people like to call me whatever. I really could care less. Like, I'm out here trying. I have a mission. I think it's pretty clear. You, we're in a moral crisis, and then I'll get to these callers. I have. I've actually. I've got to go in a few minutes. And okay, let me try to get to some callers then. In one minute, yeah. Okay, well, we're in this yeah. moral crisis. Mm-hmm. Um, People are not making babies. People are into pornography, birth control, abortion, the LGBT thing being pushed majorly. Um, immigration and education is bringing in and raising up a bunch of liberals, socialists. And Google, Facebook, and Twitter are also likewise kind of doing this brainwashing mission and suppressing independent voices and real stuff. I mean, real conservative voices. Most of the government hates the people of the United States. There are a bunch of liberals <laughs> dominating the government. What's your solution in short? My solution is to have a government and a Republican Party that wins and takes power that has one goal, which is to make the American family succeed. And that has everything to do with foreign policy. It has to do with domestic policy. It has to use our tax code, health care, everything. That's my solution orient all government policy away from not just economic growth that can be a part of it to the success of the american family and the american child so you can get married and you can have kids and you can raise them however you damn please that's all i want last question do yeah. you agree that patriot patriarchy has mm-hmm. been falsely called turned in falsely turned into a dirty word Yes, absolutely, I do. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you coming on. It's E. Sager yes. on Twitter and on Instagram. That's and, right. And um, how can they get your book? They can have, get my book on Amazon, number seven in the country right now. So, Congratulations. Uh, thank, you, thank you for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, thanks for talking. I appreciate thanks, it. Thanks, man. Take care. See you later. So let me get to Bruna out of Albania. Bruna, thank you for calling. Hello, James. How are you? Fine. Good to hear from you. Thank you. Good to hear from you, too. I wanted to comment on, I think, it's no longer there. I 
Yeah, the guest had to go. The guest had to leave. He was only yeah. on for 30 minutes. I understand. Um, I wanted to comment uh, on uh, this idea of uh, balkanization that I hear from many people uh, from different political backgrounds, but especially from nationalists, and they think that this is some kind of a bad thing to happen to a country, because uh, I, I wouldn't think uh, it is something that could happen to a nation. Uh, I think that uh, America had balkanization in the 60s with the segregation, and it was good, because people kept to their um, race, to their ethnicity, and to their culture. Uh, so they uh, uh, they uh, assembled with one another, and uh, things were proceeding as, uh, as they should. When you want to mix things forcefully, it's then that once uh, arrived. And I think he was right when he was saying that, um... Hello? Sorry about that. That was coming from the Skype, I guess. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> uh, okay. Turn off the Skype sound. Uh, no, you're fine. You're okay. fine, Bruna. Yeah. And uh, he was saying that uh, the power should be or something like people to balkanize and so we can keep on hating one another and uh, being from the balkans myself yeah that was the case for example when we were when we were occupied by Turkey, the entire region and they did a great job to make uh, the people here the nations hate one another which was not so much the case before because of course we had wars and things like that but it was normal in that historical context but I think it is being done even worse nowadays with the European Union and other um, faceless organizations. At least back then, you could refer to the Sultan and things like that, and you knew the people. But with these now, it's still the same thing. That uh, uh, first they tried to emphasize the idea of nation, uh, of nations, and of uh, being separate, and now they want to erase it uh, altogether. Yeah. But still, people are used just like that working force that uh, your guest was emphasizing so much. And I think there is something wrong when they emphasize this uh, working class and working people as if um, a nation was only that, you know, the people who work. I think also America has a disadvantage in this, as do many uh, European countries nowadays with um, migration, because yeah. nation in itself means, some, means a group of people who share uh, a, a, a birth into a, a similar genetic line and cultural line. You cannot be a nationalist of a multicultural country. And this is, I think, something that America uh, did bad to herself long ago, especially with the slaves and uh, then allowing all types of immigration. Right. And it's just kind of going to full effect. And unfortunately, it's uh, happening given here now. And uh, they only want people to be working force, but not nations. And I think that this is something that many nationalists in America miss, if I make sense, because it's not my <laughs> uh, mother tongue. So. Yeah. Okay. So you're saying that balkanization is not the bad thing that that people are thinking that it is? Not at all. I think that if you leave the Balkans without a foreign ruler, uh, people go along fine. We have uh, histories of marriages with uh, Albanians and Serbs from uh, the Middle Ages and things like that. Yeah. The trouble uh, only started when a foreign ruler came here because they only wanted uh, mercenaries and soldiers and slaves and workers. And the same is now with other foreign rulers like the EU, uh, the European Union and things like that, who are uh, kind of a bureaucratic ruler that still only want workers. 
and uh, we are suffering a lot from that. So, yeah. I appreciate it, Bruna. Thank you. Thank you. Have a nice day. You as well. Bye. Yeah, you make. She makes a good point in that she's saying that this class warfare thing is not a positive thing, and this balkanization is not necessarily a negative thing. It reminds me of Jesse Lee Peterson's interview just last hour with Adam Kokesh, who was saying, oh, big government and socialism is the only evil. No, evil is evil. And socialism is, for the most part, evil. Uh, actually, it just is evil. <laughs> but um, they kind of... Different people tend to misidentify the problem. Oh, the problem is racism. And then they, you even hear Christians, liberal, so-called progressive Christians. I'd like to interview some of these people who think that social justice is what Christians need to be fighting for and stop being anti, they need to be anti-racist. If I had, if I had, um, if I were able to keep on my guest, Sagar, S-A-A-G-E-R, a, I'm sorry, S-A-A-G-A-R, N-J-E-T-I, E-N-J-E-T-I. I would have asked him more about the leftist populists, because the populist left are a bunch of dummies. Bernie is a total imposter. He's a phony. He's not an honest person at all, yet he's falsely cast as though he's honest, even by the people on the right. I've heard even, um, well, I've heard people pretend that he's honest. He's been in government for decades, Bernie Sanders. The, a career politician pretending to care about the people. Maybe he cares about them. And I read this, I read this tweet from some woman responding to a man who came out on Twitter and said, I've been depressed and there's no shame in admitting that I'm depressed. And this woman responds to him. I don't know who this man is that she's responding to, but she says, I've watched you. I know that you care about people. And caring about people causes depression. And that caring about people is what the liberals do. It's like the false imitation of love. It's not real love. It's just emotional and then just kissing up to the worst in them. Enabling them. Enabling them to destroy themselves. And you see that in the black community. Bad. And now the whites are doing it too. Bernie Sanders has been kissing up to Black Lives Matter I played that, I think, exactly a week ago, right? Last Thursday? The day before I interviewed... Um, who did I interview last? Oh, yeah, I interviewed Richard Spencer, who fell for Bernie, because he's an atheist. But the, those so-called populists on the left, they're dummies. And Bernie is the scum of the earth, and his fa fans hate Trump because they're brainwashed to hate good, strong, white men. And uh, I don't know if, did I, I don't think I was able to ask my guest if he's a Christian. Uh, I meant to ask him if he's a Christian. But um, I didn't know that we only had him 30 minutes. I got to fire my de facto producer, but he's not my de jure producer, so I can't fire him. <laughs> but I appreciate the guest. Uh, that's, Dylan got me that guest. Appreciate that. So, um, I wanted to talk about... It seems like CNN and these liberal media want to publish and publicize any time that they can so show Trump failing, not coming through on his promises and all that stuff. 
So I told you guys in Hake News about the wind f blowing over a part of the new border wall. Well, part of it was because the concrete that it was set in had not set, and it wasn't completed. When it, you have a complete wall, it's harder to blow it over. When you have a wall that ends at right here and it's not completed, it doesn't, <laughs> it just falls right over. <laughs> it just kind of, anyways. And it fell into the Mexico side, thank God. <laughs> And it trashed up the Mexican side. Might as well, right? It's already just trashy anyways. I don't know. But it's, it fell on the Mexicali side. This was Calexico, Mexicali. Calexico is California. Mexicali is in Mexico. And they tried to talk about how Trump built a half mile of new wall. They only acknowledged that half mile of new wall where no wall had previously existed. And they downplay the fact that he was replacing a lot of wall that needed to be replaced. And on top of that, that's the stuff that he should go after first because it's the easiest stuff to, to go after, the, the areas where it is old wall. Because in some cases, that's not even wall. It's just vehicle barrier that people can just flow right through so frequently. And some, in some cases, it is old, dilapidated wall, holes in it, all kinds of madness. So he replaced it with superior wall. And that's valuable. That's part of the promise. But people want to pretend that he lied. And, you know, I mentioned this alt-right guy, Mike Enoch, who the next day, on, one, on a Thursday, the court, I think, I don't know if it was the Supreme Court, but a court decided, I think it was one of the appeals courts, three-panel judge, judge three-judge panel, Two of them conservatives, one an Obama judge. The Obama judge was not for it. But the two more conservative judges, meaning, meaning sane, legal, lawful judges, said, okay, you can, you can start building your wall. You can use that, I don't know if it was the emergency funds or what, but a couple of weeks ago this passed. And then the very next day, uh, Mike Enoch uses that to say, it passed and Trump is still not doing anything. Politicians lie. And to me, that was shocking to hear Mike Enoch lie like that, because that's a lie. That's like w overly willing to call Trump a liar. And so I'm just warning you guys that there's going to be overzealous people on the so-called right. And there's going to be the liberal media, of course, and the people in the government that you just can't trust. You can't trust them to tell you the truth about what's really happening. Trump's been pretty solid. He's been pushing this. Anyways, let me get... <laughs> I have an interesting call for you. And then I'll get to a little bit more of this stuff. Russ, out of Hampton, Virginia. Oh, by the way, let me... Hold on, Russ. You're, I'm getting feedback. Check on Russ for me, please. Screener. I opened the treasure chest at the beginning of the show, so I want to congratulate Take Care Business Bear... Sean Breed, Mandy714, Shaggy Boy, and Dark Side of the Bear. Thank you, too, to Dark Side of the Bear for being faithful in sending the Super Chats screenshots to me so that I can make sure that we get them. Because sometimes I miss them. So, let me get back to Russ. Russ! I'm hearing, I'm hearing feedback on my voice. This is horrible. Oh, hang on, Russ. Make sure that he's on regular phone and blah, blah, blah. I like Russ. He's interesting. <laughs> uh, 
Terrible. So, I know one guy on the right, I mentioned him, Mike Cernovich, who, um, kind of was figured that he's done with Trump ever since Trump fired General Mike Flynn. What I'm hearing is that Mike Flynn was railroaded by the FBI, and I've heard that basically from the beginning, but it's sounding more and more like the FBI are the liars, and this is no surprise, right? They're a bunch of liberals and Trump haters. But Mike Flynn, General Flynn, a nationalist, Trump supporter, in general, he's withdrawing his guilty plea. He, they got him to plead guilty to lying to the FBI. Well, now he's withdrawing it. I had to let Russ go. His phone sucks. Russ, get off your Obama phone! And I just can't say the S-U word. <laughs> but it's a shame. Mike Flynn, just weeks ago, the DOJ was trying to push its, press its luck. It was saying, um, it, the FBI was trying to get him six months in jail, prison. Well, then now they're, they're backpedaling and they're going back to doing, oh, we'll just take probation. But they don't want to do anything less than probation. But they're lie. they, from what I understand, it's so complicated and it's confusing. Russ sounded sad because he couldn't ask his question. Russ, call back on a real, a decent phone. I don't know what's wrong with your phone. I was getting, I was hearing my voice coming back. That's obnoxious. It's distracting. But Mike Flynn, General Flynn, whose son is also a Trump-supporting guy on Twitter. You can follow him. But this was all part of that so fake Russian collusion conspiracy theory where they had Robert Mueller... The special counsel who was appointed, I don't know who appointed him, but he was investigating fake so-called Russian collusion conspiracy theory between Trump and the, and the Russians. And so they got this, they caught all kinds of mess. They, um, they asked Flynn about his talking to foreign people. And he, they, I don't know if they tricked him into signing something that, w that they knew was not true or what, but they railroaded him, and he had bad lawyers, is what the story says, according to him, and now he has an aggressive lawyer who's withdrawing the guilty plea, and so I'm hoping that he gets that through, because he seems like a solid guy. He hasn't, be, he hasn't been one that even betrayed Trump, even though Trump did fire him. I don't know who told Trump to fire him or what, but I don't think Trump has turned on him, even though Trump did fire him. And I don't think that he's turned on Trump. So that's a positive sign. He said Wednesday, my guilty plea has rankled me. He said, in truth, I never lied. I never lied to them. He's saying this about to the FBI. He's a three-star general, respected. He said, my guilty plea has rankled me throughout this process while I allowed myself to succumb to the threats from the government and save my family. That's right. I think they brought up his son or somebody basically, seemingly, to scare him. And isn't that always the way, the government, being so corrupt? The stupid, and the FBI is a bunch of stupid people like my age, Nick's age, Joelle's age. They're educated, maybe they speak multiple languages, they think they're better than everybody else, and they think that the Russians are doing all this mess, and, yeah, 
Nick speaks multiple languages. <laughs> but, it, oh, he is in the FBI? He's a Fed? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, Nick is better. Okay. But um, the, the FBI and the people in the, so the deep state, you can't fire them. And then you have these people that Trump foolishly brought in, like Bolton. And uh, they, they keep these establishment-friendly people that are sympathetic to Ukraine or Russia or whatever. And they're sympathetic to Hillary Clinton. 90% of, of government employees' donations, in some cases 98%, in some cases 85 in some cases 95 depending on the different bureaucracy, including of the Defense Department, they support Hillary. They supported Hillary. I saw this in a... It was shared by Bill Lockwood, who comes on Jesse's show. He, he quoted it from The Hill. And The Hill is no conservative source either. But it showed that the government is anti-America. <laughs> Believe it or not. They might care about America, but we talked about what care gets you. Anyways. Um, let's see what else did he say. He took aim at the outrageous FBI conduct. He had no reason to lie about communications with the Russian, Russian ambassador, etc. And the Bureau had listened in on his calls with the Russian ambassador and cleared him of cl criminal long, wrongdoing. And by the way, last week it came out that former Trump campaign staffer Carter Page, whose name has come up a bunch of times, he was the excuse that the FBI, I think, or the DOJ anyway, used to spy on Trump, on the Trump campaign. They used the FISA courts, Foreign, Inter Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, and then I'll get to calls, to spy on him. Well, their warrant lacked probable cause, they admitted. The DOJ admitted in a declassified statement. So you have them wanting six months in prison for Flynn for supposedly lying to the FBI, which he didn't do, according to him. And then how much jail does the DOJ get for lying in order to spy on Trump? Trump was right. The Obama spied on him. And the Obama lovers, a stupid uh, deep state, which is a bunch of dummies. So, anyways, let me get to Morty out of Kansas City, Missouri, I think? Morty! Yes, sir. First time caller. Thanks for calling. Yes, it's awesome to talk to you. I, I, uh, I, I always uh, talk about um, how white you are. Thank on, you. Uh, in the chat. <laughs> nice. But, but, yeah, I was just wondering what you thought about that uh, Virginia thing. Um, yeah, the rally, the gun rally. Yeah. I didn't really pay close attention to it. I know that a lot of people were scared about it. I knew that Antifa was, there was a pro-gun wing of Antifa that was supposed to be there that I read about. And I knew that pro-Second Amendment people were going. I knew that Richard Spencer was decided not to go. And they were, they arrested the FBI or somebody, arrested a couple of people that were supposed to be white uh, radicals. And I don't know if, if they were or what they were. I think Asmador may have covered that on his show, by the way. But um, it was just basically scaremongering. And it had some people scared and concerned about this become this kind of uh, something bad happening that would lead to like a civil war esque or a step towards civil war. I didn't really see it that way. I didn't pay close attention, 
but I don't really think much about it. I, it sounded like it was generally positive and peaceful, which is like a typical any right-wing rally, and as long as Antifa doesn't show up. The Tea Party was always very self-policing and very peaceful. And then the, um, anytime you see the militia, they're very self-policing and peaceful. Nothing crazy happens around the militia. Except one time when, you know, with that Bundy Rancher supporter got himself killed. I say he got himself killed. Um, Lavoie Finicum. But, yes. But um, the, gov- the government has no, there's no recourse against the government when they do that stuff, too. Maybe it was wrongly killed, but anyways. Yes, um, and the other thing I was going to ask you is what do you think about KFC coleslaw? Do you like it? I do not like coleslaw in general. I'm not familiar with KFC's coleslaw. I like KFC, Kentucky Fried Chicken. I don't you like eat the it KFC a lot. KFC extra crispy. I don't know. I'm not as fam- I'm not that familiar. I don't eat KFC uh, that much. Call me oh, white. Okay. I'm very white, but um, I guess I'm not that white that I like KFC that much. I like it. I'll eat it, and it's good when I have it. But um, I eat Pollo Loco. I guess I'm a trader, cuck. <laughs> and I, I don't even like Pollo Loco that much. But anyways, it I hear fresh. you, man. <laughs> I, I'm not going to tie up the phone. I, ju- I just uh, I, I just wanted to ask you what you thought about all that. What'd you so. think of the rally? How about? I thought I thought that it was overly uh, that they blew it out of proportion because they were trying to they were trying to turn it into something that never happened yeah and and um i was hoping that i mean i think the proud boys were there and i there were some others but i i was hoping that it i was i was hoping it wouldn't end up like what they were saying it was going to end up with the with the antifa and all of that because they were making it sound like it was going to end up being a, a war right and, and, and uh, so I was actually happy about the outcome and how it was peaceful and how the the uh, right wingers were, you know, cleaning up the sidewalks and picking up the trash and nice. all that kind of stuff, you know. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it, Morty. Nice hearing from you. What? Where did the KFC question come from? If you don't mind my asking. Well, I I, I love KFC. Okay. And. And uh, they know they know me in the chat. I love KFC, and uh, you know I don't know if you follow the chat, but uh, <laughs> I, I I'm I'm always talking about that. So all right, so cool. Yeah, yeah, the thing I don't like about KFC coleslaw about coleslaw in general. I don't know about KFC. I don't like mayo. Is it mayo that they put in it or sour cream? I don't like mayo. I don't like sour cream. I don't like any of that stuff. Well, I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure they. I'm sure they probably put mayo in the in the coleslaw. But they also have really good uh, uh, gravy on their mashed potatoes. They also have pretty decent French fries. Right their on. Bathroom, their bathrooms are clean. They're extra crispy. Is the best. <laughs> I mean, KFC is something awesome. Right on. I mean, if there, there is one right down the street. I'll have to check it out. Appreciate it, Morty. Nice hearing from you. Okay. Nice <laughs> talking to you. All right. Yeah. Um, I do like, what is that, cabbage? That coleslaw is made with cabbage? I had to ask the resident chef. (laughs) Right on. So, uh, you know, he brought up the Proud Boys, and I've noticed the Proud Boys, the Alt-Right, Tea Party, 
long before that. Um, John Birch Society. Just anything that's for what's right and not against what's white <laughs> gets maligned by the media. And in some cases, the some members, you could call them, help it along by, for example, the alt-right was permanently damaged, at least in the unfair minds of the people who listen to the liberal media, by that guy who drove into the crowd when he was, he was a guy that had issues. He had issues with his mother, he had personal issues, and he was being attacked. It's on video by Antifa. And, um, but they just, they don't, they, I've never seen any acknowledgement of the attacks by Antifa on his very car while he's driving right before he turns into that alley. I watched it and I didn't even know about it except for watching it off the, off the wall is out of left field, like a obscure video of the incident. I didn't even know about it. And then later you see it. He's also, this guy is also autistic. Um, the guy who pleaded guilty to a hate crime. I don't know why he did that. Probably stupid lawyers deport all lawyers except for some of the decent ones. <laughs> but, um, yeah. I don't know. Maybe he went a little overboard. Yeah, and the Proud Boys, um, Joe Rogan is pointing out, the chat one, <laughs> that uh, the Proud Boys are kind of pro-gay, which is not a positive thing. It is a little cringe. Yeah, but... I hate to use this word, but I, I'm thinking it. Nobody's perfect. It's not a word. It's a, it's a phrase. Um, that's not an excuse for them to be supporting it, but there's a lot of r Proud Boys that I've met. Decent. And um, they're not necessarily for that pro-gay stuff. Um, and stuff like that. And you see the, the weak people that won't stand up. And I don't know if I'm fair to call him weak, but the guy who founded the Proud Boys. The Proud Boys, if you're not familiar, they're pro-Western civilization, right? They're for um, having families. They, uh, they're the guy who founded it, Gavin McInnes, he resigned when they were prosecuting the Proud Boys who beat up the Antifa people. And I don't know if it was an unfair fight or a fair fight, but Antifa is always attacking decent people, Proud Boys. And the Proud Boys don't tend to back down from the fights. And so then they, they only prosecute the Proud Boys and the stupid Antifa get away with everything. I don't know. It's kind of... Shouldn't be complaining about it. It's the way that the ball bounces. The world is unjust. But I don't think that we should be backing down and like my call, like my guess. Ah, I think that that's brainwashing his criticism of uh, Steve King. I'd like to hear Steve King on the Jesse Lee Peterson show again. He's been on, I think, before. Anyways, guys, we'll see you tomorrow is Get It Off Your Chest Friday. And um, Trump rally tonight in Des Moines, Iowa. Make sure you check out the ch Sunday service from 2009 that took place. It was excellent. Um, and we'll see you tomorrow. TheHakeReport.com. TheHakeReport.com. JLPTalk.com for Jesse Lee Peterson stuff. And the Fallen State with the three of us tomorrow, right? That's cool. All right, guys. Take care.